Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Matthew Paris Show. I'm your host, Matthew Paris. I hope everyone had a great New Year. Happy New Year's. I wish everybody the best in 2024. Um, it's been a while since I've done an episode, so let's get right to it. we got a lot to talk about. This will be kind of a short episode. We're going to talk about the college football playoffs. We're going to talk about who's in the national title game and who's going to be playing uh, at NRG Stadium on January 8th in Houston, Texas. Uh, but first, but first, before we get started, make sure you hit that little subscribe button right down there. It's always a great time here on the Matthew Paris Show. We talk sports. We talk to sporting news. We talk all kinds of sports. So let's get right to it. First off, let's talk about the newly formed UFL, the United Football League. Who remembers the XFL? The XFL was started by Vince McMahon in the mid-90s, mid to late 90s, and then the league folded um, because just not enough revenue, not enough fans coming out, so whatnot. Vince McMahon later on tried to revive the XFL, which stands for Extreme Football League. And uh, we had a uh, Houston team, the Houston Roughnecks. We had other teams, I think the Birmingham Stallions, stuff like that. We um, the, Now it's recently been told that the XFL will no longer be uh, in existence. And who, who also remembers the USFL, the United States Football League? That was started in the mid-'80s also. Um, it, was, it had teams like the Houston Gamblers. Uh, who, who remembers Jim Kelly actually played for that team before he went to the Buffalo Bills? A uh, little side note for you. But USFL tried to make a comeback too. We had two spring football, um, two spring football seasons. It was the USFL and it was the XFL. So now both have merged into the UFL, United Football League. Uh, the new league will be run by Dwayne The Rock Johnson, former WWE wrestler Dwayne Johnson, and also movie star, action star. Um, the UFL remain in four XFL markets, three from the USFL and one now merged league shared. There are eight teams now into the UFL. So let's talk about eight teams, and then there are two conferences, the USFL conference and the XFL conference, right? So the XFL and the USFL have both gone into conferences for the UFL. Uh, here are the teams for the USFL conference. There are eight teams total. The Birmingham Stallions, the Houston Roughnecks, the Memphis Showboats, and the Michigan Panthers. The XFL conference will have the Arlington Renegades, the D.C. Defenders, the San Antonio Brahmas, and the St. Louis Battlehawks. Okay? They've already picked out who the coaches are going to be. And the coaches for the Birmingham Stallions, uh, we have Skip Holtz. For the Houston Roughnecks, we have Curtis Johnson. Memphis Showboats, we have John DeFilippio. Michigan Panthers, we have Mike Nolan. The Arlington Renegades, we have uh, former Oklahoma head coach Bob Stoops. D.C. Defenders, Reggie Barlow. San Antonio Brahmas is Wade Phillips. And the St. Louis Battlehawks is Anthony Becht. Uh, both leagues had teams in Houston in 2023. The UFL kept the XFL team's brand and, and tapped the USFL's team's coach. Uh, UFL players will report to training camp on February 24th. That's in Arlington, Texas, where the XFL trained last season. Uh, its teams will play a 10-game regular season starting March 30th with a matchup between Birmingham and Arlington Renegades. Uh, the USFL and XFL played separate, partially overlapped schedules in 2023. The leagues announced on intent to merge September 28th and received approval from federal regulations November 30th. The XFL had previously discussed a partnership with the Canadian Football League in 2021, but negotiations did not lead to an agreement. Uh, 
The merger, XFL and USFL Spring Football Leagues, will be known as the UFL, the United Football League, is part of confirmed Sunday. Former XFL President and CEO Russ Brandon will hold the same title for the UFL, and former USFL President of Football Operations Daryl Johnson will lead the new league's football operations. Further details will be announced at a later time, including the number of teams and the cities they will represent. Of course, now we only have we have eight teams, so the details were out there. Um, so yeah, so uh, let's see here. A news a news release listed five UFL partners: the three XFL owners, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, Danny Garcia, and Jerry Cardinal of Redbird Capital Partners. USFL owner Fox Sports, represented by CEO Eric Shanks, and ESPN, represented by Chairman Jimmy Pitaro. Disney ESPN was the exclusive broadcast partner for the 2023 XFL season. Um, so as far as uh, broadcasting goes, it will be on Fox, ABC, ESPN, and FS1, Fox Sports 1. So who's excited about the new UFL, the United Football League? Um, we'll see. You know, they've been trying to have year-round football for a while. NFL's in the fall. They've been trying to have spring football for a while, see if that could work. Um, they keep trying. We've had leagues come and go in the past. Um, of course, the Alliance League, who, who remembers that, right? But uh, let's see what happens there. Okay, so moving on. Let's talk about the stage is set for the national championship in Houston, Texas on January 8th at NRG Stadium. It will be the Washington Huskies versus the Michigan Wolverines. Um, Michigan, let's talk about Michigan real quick. Michigan came off as 14-0. They were ranked number one in the playoffs. They faced number five, Alabama, and, and legendary head coach Nick Saban, who was 12-2 this season. Uh, Michigan was 13-0 going into this game. Now they're 14-0 because they just won. Um, it was a very close game. It was a very low-scoring game. After the first quarter, it was Alabama 7, Michigan 7. Um, the second quarter, Alabama went up three with a field goal. Michigan had six. Um you know, third quarter, nobody scored. Alabama 0, Michigan 0. In the fourth quarter, it was Alabama 10 and Michigan 7. Uh, of course, now this was tied and it went into overtime. In overtime, Michigan scored uh, a touchdown, which would lead um, uh, Michigan past Alabama 27-20. But it was 20-20 going into overtime. Um, let's see here. In the last in the last play, Jalen Milrow, who is a former... Uh, if you know Houston at all, is from Katy. He's uh, he was a Katy Tiger, uh, plays uh, quarterback for the um, Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, Jalen Milrow uh, was going to go for it on fourth down. Now, watching this game, I kind of knew okay, he's going to try to take it himself. He's going to use his legs because he'd been doing well all all game to use his legs. Instead of instead of going to the right or to the left, I believe he had a lot of. He could have scored if he'd gone to the right watching that game. He had a lot of a lot of open field on the right side. But he instead went up the middle in overtime, and he immediately got stuffed at the line of scrimmage. Um, game over. Michigan wins. So, um, it's, just, uh, it's just crazy. Let's talk about what happened here. Uh, it says right here, Tom Brady, who was a former Michigan Wolverine, reacts to Michigan's football win versus Alabama in the Rose Bowl. All of Tom Brady's Instagram stories on Monday were Michigan-themed as the Wolverines geared up to play Alabama in the Rose Bowl. But the last one was by far the most triumphant. 
Brady, who posted a pair of pictures of himself wearing Michigan versus everybody bracelets before and during the game, posted a celebration video after Michigan stuffed a Jalen Milrow quarterback sneak in overtime to clinch a berth in the college football playoff championship game in Houston. Brady was recorded to screen and began to yell before panning to himself shirtless and back to the screen. So we have one Michigan alumni, Tom Brady, uh, the GOAT, who's very happy about this. The Michigan alum, who is the first year of retirement from the NFL, hosts a podcast called Let's Go with Larry Fitzgerald and Jim Gray. He makes the anonymous exclamation multiple times in the video. Brady was part of Michigan's last national championship team in 1997 when the Wolverines defeated Washington State in the Rose Bowl to split a title with Nebraska. Brady played in only four games that season, but this game may have jogged some memories. On January 1st, 2000, Brady led Michigan to an overtime win over Alabama in the Orange Bowl. History repeated itself on the Rose Bowl Monday, and Brady was clearly thrilled to witness it. Um, so, yeah, so Michigan moves on. Um, let's talk about the sign stealing with uh, Jim Harbaugh. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, you know, the sign stealing, there's still an investigation, investigation going on with Michigan as far as st- sign stealing goes. Uh, we'll see what happens there, but Michigan is in the national title game, and Jim Harbaugh will uh, be able to coach in that game. Um, it was reported that, and even reported during the, the football game, the Rose Bowl game, is that uh, Jim Harbaugh had people on the other uh, um, sitting on the other side and trying to look at the play calling for the other team. Um, I think he was suspended for a few games, but now he's back coaching, so Michigan is in the national championship game against Washington. Um, what does this mean for Nick Saban in Alabama? Well, we'll see. You know, Nick Saban will, is a good recruiter. He will go back and recruit. Um, let's see who they recruit in the, in the high school circuit and whatnot. So, yeah. So, it was a good game. It was a close game. It was tied uh, for the longest time. It was a low-scoring game. It was a game of defense for a little while. Then they moved up. And, uh, yeah. So, congratulations to Michigan for – uh, going to the national title game. Let's talk about the uh, All-State Sugar Bowl. We had the Texas Longhorns versus the Washington Huskies. So, this game, everybody predicted this game to be a shootout. It was. It was a little bit more of a high-scoring game than a Rose Bowl game. Washington will end up defeating the Texas Longhorns 37-31 uh, going, you know, coming out of this game. Number two, Washington was ranked number two with uh, 13 and 0, and Texas was number three with 12 and 2. Um, let's see here. Michael Penix Jr., who was a Heisman Trophy candidate and Heisman runner-up, did very, very well in this game for the season. He threw for over 4,000 yards. Um, I think that uh, goes past Patrick Mahomes when he was at Texas Tech for that season. Uh, so congratulations to Michael Penix. Um, so. A lot of people, you know, a lot of Michael Penix's teammates thought that he should have got the Heisman, of course. Um, it's reported from New Orleans. Michael Penix Jr. arrived in Seattle two years ago, hoping to revive his career after he leave, he leaves as a Huskies legend. You have to remember, Michael Penix is a transfer. He originally played for the Indiana Hoosiers as their quarterback. He went through some, uh, he went through some injuries, and then uh, he decided to transfer to Washington from Indiana. On the biggest stage of his career, Penix turned in his greatest performance, completing 29 of 38 passes for 430 yards as Washington's office mostly dumbfounded Texas in a 37-31 win in the All-State Sugar Bowl to advance to the college football playoff national championship game. Uh, He made the throws, and he knows he's capable of, Washington coach Kalen DeBoer said, and with a good defense like we were facing in Texas today, 
he kind of restored to all the tools that he has and the skill set that makes him special make him, in my mind, the best player in college football. After finishing the Heisman runner-up to LSU quarterback Jaden Daniels and leading the Huskies to the playoffs, Penix had already secured a prominent place in University of Washington lore, and now he has a chance to leave as perhaps the most received, uh, excuse me, most revered figure in school history. I don't know if you could transfer the Heisman Trophy or how that works, but man, he's the best to do it in the nation. And I've known that for a long time, said Washington receiver Rome Adunzu, who finished with six catches for 125 yards. Unfortunately, I feel like the media and everybody on the outside hasn't paid close enough attention. He's special, and he's fought through adversity, and, he's, and he is shining on the biggest stage. Against the Longhorns, Penning's deep ball actually a quick release were on display almost immediately. He hit uh, Jalen Polk for a 77-yard strike in his first attempt of the game, and he has all this, he has all season, consistently found advantages matchups the rest of the game. When targeting the Huskies' top three playmakers, Adunza, Jalen McMillian, and Polk, Penix was 16 of 17 for 305 yards. Texas had no answer for the trio that made up arguably the most talented receiver corps in the country. Penix, who came into the game as the national leader in passing yards, eclipsed the 4,500-yard mark for the season to become the first uh, FBS quarterback to achieve that in back-to-back seasons since Patrick Mahomes in 2015 and 2016 season. Penix was 7 of 10 for 257 yards when passing for 15-plus yards down the field and was also effective with his legs, running for 31 yards on three carries, picking up a pair of key first downs. When Penix finished second in the Heisman Trophy balloting, he shrugged it off, telling teammates he cared more about the team's success when they still had to play for. As far as the Heisman thing, that's over. Uh, Penix said, it doesn't matter. Right now, man, we're looking to win the national championship. That's been my goal since day one. Uh, so, yeah, so watching that game, watching the All-State Sugar Bowl, uh, all, you know, Washington has a very, very strong offense. Penix is a very, very court, good quarterback. He's a very accurate quarterback. Um, he could hit rec- receivers very well down the field. He made th- two uh, long in the first quarter, two long bombs down the field to receivers. And uh, one was uh, his first drive in the in the opening quarter. And then uh, one was uh, later on, I think later on in the first quarter, he had he had a nice long 50-yard bomb, and then he had a 77-yard uh, uh, pass to another receiver. So he is obviously a very accurate quarterback. He will start playing, you know, Sundays when he enters draft for the NFL. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. Uh, let's talk about the Texas Longhorns for a minute. Of course, Texas comes into this game. Now, watching this game, uh, Texas had their starting quarterback, Quinn Hewers. Um, Quinn Hewers could really get anything done as far as in the air goes, passing goes. However, Texas should have utilized the running game just a little bit more. They were getting it done with their legs. Uh, their running back had broke for a few yards. Uh, Quinn Hewers had broke for a few yards. So Texas was getting it done with their legs. They could do anything up in the air. Um, you know, the Longhorns defensive backs had a little problem stopping the Huskies too uh, as far as the passing goes for the Huskies. But uh, Texas was getting it done by, uh, by the ground game. So I think they should have stuck more with that. Um, and then, you know, maybe the outcome would have been different. But we did have a last drive. Quinn did get him into the red zone. Uh, it was fourth down, and, and Quinn couldn't just, you know, he couldn't, he couldn't do it. He, uh, you know, made a pass. It was incomplete. The game was over. They were in the red zone. So you had plenty of opportunities here. Um, yeah, so who knows? You know, we'll see. We'll see. But uh, 
let's see here. Um, Quinn Hears kept talking about what's next for Texas, if he might be a part of that. Um, of course, you know, the big controversy, too, is what happens if Arch Manning comes in. Now, Arch Manning was seen on the sideline in the Sugar Bowl with his helmet on. So there, there could have been a possibility where Sarkeesian could have put him in. But uh, Quinn Hears kept talking about what's next for Texas. I'm a human being. I understand what's ahead, said Hears. Uh, who has the option of turning pro in the coming offseason, but I know that we're going to work as hard as we can to try to be back. And that's all we could really do is attack the offseason the right way and just continue to build this team what it's capable of being. If yours isn't back, his last performance on the season was a memorable one. Um, and if it fell one 13-yard completion short of result, he and the Longhorns won in, wanted in a 37-31 loss to Washington in a college football playoff. Uh, Texas was down by as much as 13 in the fourth quarter and trailed by 37-20 after a Washington field goal was just 2.40 to go. After using a mix, hang on a second, uh, after using a mix of plays to go downfield to try to score and try to uh, win for the Longhorns, uh, Quinn Hewers could not get it done. Will he enter the draft? I don't think he will. Uh, he has said that he won't enter a draft, which means he's coming back for next year. Now, what does that mean for Arch Manning? Will he enter the transfer portal? portal? Uh, Malik Murphy, another Longhorn, former Longhorns quarterback, entered the transfer portal, and he's going to the Duke Blue Devils. Now, uh, I don't believe Arch Manning will enter the transfer portal this year. However, after next season, if Quinn Hughes decides to stay, I think he will. I think Arch Manning, though, He's looked upon as in the Longhorns Nation as the future uh, quarterback for this team after Quinn Hughes. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, and, yeah, congratulations to Washington and congratulations to Michigan. In, they're in the national championship game January 8th uh, in Houston at NRG Stadium. I looked up tickets. It's pretty expensive, so I don't know if I'm going to go or not. But, yeah, so – uh, listen, guys, before we go, have a happy new year. I wish everybody the best of 2024. And make sure you hit that little subscribe button. We are going to come back soon with season two of the Matthew Paris Show. Uh, I plan to have video up for the Matthew Paris Show, not just audio. It's going to be great. All right, guys, take care. Bye.